0: Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. I'm Alec.
1: I'm Eddie. And I'm Cole.
0: And today we're going to be talking about discernment and formation. Before we get started, Seminary and Cole, would you like to open us in prayer?
1: Of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for the gift of brotherhood, fraternity, and for unity. We pray that you bless us, especially in this conversation, this podcast, that we may speak with humility, honesty, courage, and boldness, that you bless our hearts, bless our minds, bless our souls, and just help us to, as we discuss, spread ideas, bounce around ideas, and just ultimately learn... More about your wisdom, and that you give us wisdom, so that we could glorify your kingdom. Hail Mary, full of Amen. grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the, the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Wonderful. Thank you.
2: Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? Prove to me that you are a sinner right now. <laughs> that you can't uh, be on this show. <laughs> that List the... every sin
1: you've ever <laughs> sinned, <laughs> entire life. <laughs> That would only be in the seal of confession. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Um, my name is Cole Buzon. I am a seminarian for the Diocese of Orange. I'm 23 years old. I graduated two years ago with my bachelor's of science in dental hygiene. I got my master's one year ago in healthcare administration. And then God called me during that master's program. But the thing was, the reason why I entered these programs is because they were quick and straight to the point. Three years and then one year, boom. Um, so when God called me, I was like kind of kind of upset, kind of like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I had a plan. <laughs> You're calling me to seven more years. Are you kidding? But, you know, God's will is always above our will. Um, we need to humb- humble ourselves underneath his will. And um, I've been in seminary for two years now, going on three. God willing, I will be ordained in 2023 as a deacon, trans- transitional, and 2024 as his priest. God willing.
2: That's beautiful. Maybe that's part of the reason why God called you to the dental hygiene route because it was quick so he's like that way you can get that out of the way <laughs> and then you can start seminary young because 23 being in, going into your third year of seminary is
1: young yeah. and that's a uh, amazing. Yeah, it's a blessing. It's a blessing.
0: All right, so you talked about during your masters that you were called What does that look like? Is that a voice? Is that a, a you know a megaphone from the clouds? What what did your experience of being called?
2: It's God always using the robocalls. The keep keep getting them scam calls. God says I've got your social security number. Yeah. And unless you join the seminary, mm-hmm. the police will be dispatched because you right. didn't pay your taxes. Something Those like work. that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It was more like a. Um, it was kind of like something I really couldn't deny. I went through a rough time in high school. God definitely delivered me through that. And for him, I knew it was an authentic call because at my point in my life back then, I was really questioning, really, God, what do you want me to do? I'm not too satisfied with what I'm doing right now. Knowing that it was an authentic call, it wasn't it wasn't really anything too scary. But knowing that it was his voice saying, Cole, come here, come here, Mm -hmm. like a father to a son. That was like, okay, I can't say no to you because you only want the best for me. You know, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. If he calls me here, that's where I'm going to go.
2: At what point do you think, I mean, obviously, I think there's a beautiful moment in everyone's life. Well, not, unfortunately, not everyone's life, but in people who are pursuing a relationship with God, where you start to realize that it is a father-son relationship with God and Jesus is our Lord, but also calls us our friend. Like, when did you, when did that transition into your prayer life where you were able to, refer to God genuinely as your father and not just out of like a obligatory term but where you could hear his voice and like know that he loved you as a father just like you were talking about
1: it happened when I was about 16 I would say my parents got divorced when I was 11 Hmm. so growing up and also reflecting on it now in my life I didn't have a father figure the time we were physically in our bodies becoming a man so it was uh at the time it didn't I didn't really think about it but reflecting on it now, the amount of intimacy, the amount of honesty, the amount of myself that I gave to anybody was to God during when I was like sixteen years old. I would say that was the moment that I referred to God as my father figure in my life.
2: Why are you looking at me like that? Because look at you—the <laughs> thought that you were more, okay.
0: I, I I do, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's there. So we'll get to it.
2: Um. Yeah. I. Th- I but I think that that's beautiful, and I think that that is necessary for everyone's faith and i think a genuine that's why there's so much peace where you are right now uh because i think it's when we when we view god as master when we view god as uh you know we are his slaves and he is our slave master there is a lot of not peace in doing what we feel like we are supposed to do but where there is genuine peace i think there is obviously a genuine god it's obviously in that moment you know peace is a fruit of the holy spirit and christ says all the time my peace i give to you so if you are At a state of peace in your life, it means that most likely you are in good communion with God at that moment. And I think that so much of that stems from that relationship aspect as opposed to uh, a servant aspect.
1: Right on. 100%. Yeah. When we, you know, we, when we were slaves, like in Egypt, our forefathers, there wasn't really like that genuine love, you know, it was just like, I have to do this because I'm told, Mm -hmm. you know, but God's call is so much more deeper and it's out of Love is, which is who he is, you know, so when it comes from that place, it's like a lot more complete and whole in that way. So. yeah.
0: So 23 year old seminarian Cole goes back to 11 year old child Cole and says, you're going to be a priest one day or at least in the seminary. Does 11 year old Cole believe you?
1: Not at all. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Um. Growing up, I never looked at a priest and said, oh, I'm never going to be that. It was just like, no, like I never just thought about it. You know, nobody ever said, hey, came up to me after a mass. and was like, hey, are you thinking about becoming a priest? You know, it wasn't like that. So it was more on the aspect and we've all gone through it. Most of us gone through it. You love girls too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no way. Um, growing up, I would consider myself like a like the hopeless romantic, you know, mm. and I That's all I would just think about. I want to have kids. I want to have a family. I want to have a beautiful wife. But it would be way out of left field, you know, um, going back then. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's something that a good, a fair amount of us guys have run into or, you know, at least experienced growing up being a teenage or pre-teenage guy.
0: Definitely. Do you want to touch on that as to, because I'm sure that there are no shortage of people who are like, just let priests marry. And then you'll get way more guys who want to be priests. So do you want to touch on why the church does not allow priests to be married?
1: Thinking about it, I, as of right now, um, I wouldn't speak on behalf of the church, mm-hmm. but in just my, my personal experience and my personal kind of, uh, discernment in that kind of thing, ministry, you guys are involved, Alec, you are a teacher, Eddie, you're a teacher too. Ministry is tiring. Ministry is really tiring. Um, so pouring your heart out during the day, doing, fulfilling your commitments, liturgy of the hours, mass, holy hour every day, you know, and just being there for people who may just come up to you after, after a mass or, you know, after just, you know, an event, you're really giving your whole self in that ministry. And before like furthering on, let's not forget that the Eastern church does allow their priests to marry, mm-hmm. you know, so we have, good, uh, we have a good balance in that, in our universal Catholicism. But for me personally, giving yourself totally the whole day during ministry and coming back to crying babies and then, you know, a wife that's been tired because she take care of the whole family the whole day, you know, that kind of thing. For me, it would be kind of difficult to kind of um, split yourself in the, those both ways. Not that that's not unfulfilling and not that there are men who can There's fulfill that. There's not enough that. of you to go around. Yeah, there. you know, all those are called to a different form of ministry so in terms of that that would be that would be kind of difficult for me so yeah
2: yeah and as somebody who you know i ha- am single and not into the seminary right now i want to have too many too many student loans to ever enter seminary not right, right now. now not right now yeah <laughs> but like, i mean i would say my discernment is still very active in that regard i think allowing priests to be married would be for like you said i can't speak for the universal church i can only yeah. speak for my uh my own discernment it would be the worst thing that could ever happen to my discernment because it would make the it would essentially make the decision for me like absolutely but i think the best priests that i know personally are the ones who like they don't just brush it off like oh yeah i don't get to be married or like you know there's even some kind of like there's priests who like oh, i would be a terrible husband thank god i don't have kids because I would, I would i'm not patient enough for them well then it, the question is raised like how are you patient enough to be a priest then <laughs> like are you really yeah. living your priestly <laughs> vocation to the fullest but so much of my own discernment has been driven home by the fact that if I were to give my life to God as a priest, I would want to feel that sacrifice. I would want it to hurt. I would want that desire, like because like you said, everybody loves girls. Congratulations! Like I, I'm never going to be a priest because I have too many. I, I think girls are too pretty. Everybody thinks girls are pretty. God created girls pretty. So, yes, they did. Uh, <laughs> like, The idea being that I want to feel that sacrifice and I want to offer that sacrifice to God and say, God, I gave this to you and then let that, that that sacrifice be the soil that your ministry is laid in. And I think that that's very fruitful. If you wake up every day and be like, God, I gave my life to you. Don't let me waste it. Let me, let me serve you to the fullest of my ability because there's desires I have given up, like fulfill my desires, which is you.
0: Which is you is not a sentence. (laughs)
2: And I think that that is, I think that that, like I said, I can only speak for myself, but I know that that would not be healthy for my own discernment just because I want to, I either want to give it all, I want to give it all to God if at if at that
1: point. Yeah, 100%. So you
0: mentioned you didn't really think about it one way or the other when you were younger, it wasn't really in front of you. So you were cradle cat. Were you growing up in the church?
1: I did grow up in the church. Yeah. Um, baptized Catholic, first communion at six. And then I was in the faith formation classes after Sunday school ended. So you know how it goes, first, second, third grade, all the way up to eighth grade. And then, you know, we entered confirmation. So in terms of like what we think about in America as a cradle Catholic, that was me.
0: Did that, did things change at all? And again, just as much as you're comfortable speaking, but with the divorce and everything, did that change how devout the household was or in terms of... Were you still going every Sunday, or was it like, well, Dad went, but I'm living with Mom? Because I've heard this happen, like through divorces, where the kid feels kind of caught in the middle of uh, Dad goes to church and Mom doesn't. So what do I do with that?
1: My dad was not a strong Catholic, so when he when they got divorced, he um, just started going to church with my brother, who or with his brother, um, who um, was in a different religion. But in terms of my household that I was with. My mom got full custody, so I was living with her and she went to church every Sunday. And that's how it was. And um, my grandmother was also very faithful in her devotion to God, but she was Baptist. She converted from Catholicism to Baptist. But I would say my mo- mother figures, my mom and my grandma, they really prayed for me and they really brought me to the faith physically. Like my mom would bring me to church on Sunday and my grandma would pray with me every time we woke up during meals. And in between that, she would have like little cards about the Bible verses. And we would just read it and the reflections. Yeah. I w- I would personally just like <laughs> tune out when we would read them. <laughs> but, you know, it was, that's how it went after, after the divorce.
0: Do you think that that, since it was such a heavy mother influence, did that help your relationship with Mary or... Because we talked about, right, your relationship with God as the father, but what about your relationship with Mary as the mother?
1: It's cool that you bring that up because I didn't consecrate myself to Mary until last year. So I didn't know too much about Mary until last year. So in terms of uh, that motherly kind of figure, I would say it did influence me, but it kind of submarined and kind of popped Mm -hmm. back up, Mm -hmm. you know, last year. And I've really been learning how how deep a mother's love can be. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah that's a, that's mary's mo though right that's like what she does she hides in the shadows until she just takes over your life um which is awesome and amazing but congratulations on your
1: consecration though that's i appreciate a, that yeah have you guys done your consecration
0: i have not I have. He, there's yeah. a big push that he has especially at his school um what do you guys call it the chain gang. chain gang
2: <laughs> chain all, gang? all oh. aboard for the chain train <laughs> <Right on. laughs> so right on. yeah we get that we get the some of the students probably have about 15 kids go through it every year or so it's one of those things where i know i know that they're not taking some of them do but most of them are not taking it as seriously as i would like to but once you're consecrated you're consecrated (laughs) for life so i can just like just push them through the push them through it talk to them through it and then let mary take care of the rest but i mean her power is amazing though you know which we all are aware of and her intercession is so strong
0: speak to that a little bit because i know at least i i've heard it even with family members who are relatively devout non-catholic Christians and they question Things with the mother. So do you want to touch on that a little more
2: either of you with Mary? Yeah I mean, I really I mean, I'm sure we'll do a whole topic on Mary at some point but just yeah. briefly if someone happens to be listening to this right now with that question is the idea that our Consecration to Mary devotion to Mary is doesn't take anything away from Christ So the idea being that Mary knows Jesus better than we could ever know him. She Carried him in his inner room, raised him, was there when he died, uh, you know, interacted with him in his resurrection, all of the etc. And then obviously we don't need to make an argument for why she knows Jesus better than we can. And on top of that, as our heavenly mother, you know, where Jesus gives us her as our mother from the cross, she knows us better than we can know ourselves. You know, there's things that about you that your mom knows that you don't even know about yourself. She has that infinitely from a heavenly perspective. So she knows us better than we can even know ourselves essentially what devotion to her is is she takes our hand and leads us to Jesus more efficiently than we can do ourselves she she knows the way she knows the path she knows the best path to get to Jesus and specifically the best best path for us to get to Jesus so a devotion to her is just letting her guide us closer to her son which i think is so beautiful yeah absolutely you don't need it you can find your way maybe you do maybe you don't but she knows the was the, as the crow flies the the quickest and most assured path to get us to get us to our son, so go through Marian consecration if anybody hasn't done it.
1: Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just touching on that too, you know how like, um, she knew Jesus better than mm-hmm. you know we did. You know, imagine she, you know we're not women, obviously, so <laughs> we won't uh, go through uh, experiencing carrying a child or um giving birth to a child. But in terms of Just imagine like her, she knew Jesus, how he was in the womb, uh, what bothered him, what didn't, you know, how he kicked. And as he was growing up, maybe Jesus like fell and scraped his knee and Jesus would come crying to Mary. You know, (laughs) it's like he, I don't think he would do, you know, do that with any other person. And then growing up, if we just look at the timeline, Mary spent the most time with Jesus out of any human being on earth because she had him in her womb growing up that kind of thing
2: first 30 years
1: yeah and then as we understand it too um when jesus the boy was found in the temple everybody was kind of like questioning why he was doing what he did but it says mary knew these things and pottered them in her heart Mm -hmm. you know so it goes to show as we know mary is the seed of wisdom and you know like going back to the old testament solomon was the wisest king because he asked god for wisdom and because he asked god for wisdom god gave him all this other stuff so us turning to mary that's our kind of our best way to in a way go through mary to god's heart because we are you know we're asking mary to teach us about wisdom which god loves to kind of bestow on upon us and through that all of these other blessings will flow charity humility all these other beautiful virtues
2: why do we love Mary? Because Jesus loved Mary. So, simple as that.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, you said that you just recently did your Marian consecration. That would be, I mean, I, I would assume a benefit that you were able to go through in, in the seminary that increased your your spiritual life. What else can you speak on about how the seminary has been good for your own like spiritual
1: formation? Seminary is such a unique and grace-filled um world that you go through being in seminary now for two years going on my third year i just would like to talk about the beauty the hope and the humility that comes out of formation not that i'm a humble guy you know because <laughs> once we say we're going humble you if know you're humble yeah. and you know it then you're not <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and we are you know uh sinners you know so <laughs> um yeah but there has to be a there has to be a way to
2: talk about humility where like that's the thing. We always avoid the conversation, but I do think that you have obviously learned lessons in humility in the seminary. And I would love to hear about them, especially as somebody who is very prideful as well and needs to learn how to be humble. Any, I'm sure everybody here, whether they acknowledge it or not struggles with pride. So if you have, if you have meditations and reflections that have come from the seminary, because to me, honestly, the, the lifestyle of the seminarian sounds amazing. You study, you pray, you eat, you play sports
1: and, Sounds amazing. yeah. And we take a shower after we play sport. Sometimes. (laughs) Not always.
0: I think just to touch on, especially because you're someone who finished your master's degree by the time you were, what, 20 years old, that's no small feat. And then the pride of having to give up, like I've worked this hard to set up this career. That's a hard thing to let go of. So it does show some humility, I would say, to say, I'm going to give this up to God instead of, well, yeah, but I can make more money doing this my own way.
1: Yeah, yeah. That definitely um, is something that I went through. The kind of sense of that humility I would like to cover in terms of going to seminary, you're kind of like thrown into a world where there are so many inspirational people around you. Hmm. You know, um, we have uh, Father Luke Dysinger, who is uh, Bishop Barron's spiritual director. You know, <laughs> we have, um, we have, uh, all these like priests and brother seminarians who are have a very devout spiritual life and they have gone through so much. And some have lived a full life with, um, you know, a whole family and then their wife passed away and then now they're, you know, in formation. So there's so many beautiful stories that you come across in seminary. Just going there and you're also like not forced, but, you know, your assignment is to read the Fathers of the Church and, um. You know church documents and that kind of thing just diving into those you see how how far you can go with your serious faith in god and it's just so inspirational and then you kind of look at yourself and it's like whoa like i'm not there you know like i'm nowhere near there but that's kind of like also the kind of beautiful part because you realize that these people were once in your position once in your shoes so in terms of that, it's, uh, it's very humbling, but at the same time, very inspiring, which is, which is such a blessing, you know, so, yeah.
2: And even just like the fact that, you know, you have all have the same uniform, you can kind of just become a face in the crowd, which I think is like almost a beautiful thing too, just because you're, fo- you're forced to focus on your relationship with God. That's like, I am another seminarian, you know, there's a lot of us here. We are here to serve the church, but also that does not deter like your identity with our lord and i think that that is such a beautiful and like we said humility is the the foundation of all virtue to understand i mean if pride is the root of all sin then humility is the root of all virtue and understanding that i think is such an amazing lesson to like especially be put in a situation where you feel humble there's going to be virtue that's going to follow naturally
1: right on yeah yeah
2: so you Talked about humility. Um, you also mentioned, I believe it was beauty and hope. So what would you like to move into next?
1: Uh, let's go to hope. I really, uh, I just learned about and really read about Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati this year.
2: He is a very hype saint right now. Well, blessed, he's not a saint yet, but he's <laughs> yeah. super hype in the, ca- in the Catholic meta.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're praying that he gets there soon. So, yeah, um, looking at him old are you guys again you said you're 23 23 out and then eddie you are 24
0: 24 yeah i think so
2: 24 i have to always think about <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay um we are blessed Pierre Giorgio Facades age right now he passed away at the age of 24 so if you look at his life he did so much in a very short amount of time what he did was so kind of like basic not not basic in the way we use basic right now in the 21st century but basic as in simple simple yeah he went to you know we have, we have overnight adoration you know 24 hours he went to uh overnight adoration you know not saying that you know we could do that you know like it's not practical he came from a wealthy family and one of the one of the stories was he was riding in a third class on a train and he his friend saw him he was like why aren't you riding in first class, you have the money to afford first class, and he said, "I'm writing in third class because there is no fourth class." You know, so you look at him, and he like devoted his life to the poor. His parents didn't even know that he was um, helping out the poor until his funeral, when thousands of homeless people showed up to his funeral, and the parents were like, "Who are these people?" And they responded to the Frasati family. This guy helped us for the past, ever since he was 17. So that would be, what was that, seven years. It's just his life is so beautiful. He had to request permission to get daily communion because it was, you know, it was like in the 1910s or 1920s, you know, at the time. So he received daily communion. He went to adoration. I'm sure he went to confession and he devoted his life to the poor. If you just take those basic concepts and pull them out, we could do that too. We could do that too. So that's the kind of hope like there, it is possible for a man's man, a young man's man to devote themselves to the Lord and live the life of a saint.
2: And to kind of build on that too, it's, you know, you you said like, it's not super practical for us to, especially if you have a job to be an adoration all night when you have to go and make money the next day. But that does not mean that we do not wait because we have way more time than we allow ourselves to pretend like we do. With the amount of YouTube we watch, the amount of Netflix that we watch, you can, you have plenty of time. I have plenty of time to make, make change. And if anything like the young age is, you know, the age that we're at right now is essentially the best time before you have a family, before you have actual responsibilities where you can actually devote time where, uh, cause if I'm not at work or spending time with my friends, my time is my own. And even when I'm with my friends, my time is, I'm choosing to do that. My time is my own. When I have a family, my time is no longer my own. So like, it's actually the the most conducive time that we are in right now to grow in holiness. And I think we waste a lot of it.
0: Yeah, I think it speaks to your priorities of, is it a priority? Okay, maybe I'm not going to go all night, but did I go to adoration at all today? Especially if you live close by a church or there's one that's 24-7 adoration, where does it stand? You don't have 10 minutes, you're that busy where you don't have 10 minutes to go. That's a, a bold thing to say. And mm. kind of to go back to what a lot of, What he did was so simple i think that's something we've talked about where living the faithful life is simple but not easy and there's a difference because a lot of times we think simple means easy and complicated means hard but i don't think that that's the case it's simple and not easy to love one another as jesus loved us that's a pretty one sentence go and do it but what does that actually look like is not an easy thing
2: and i think that's a big part of discernment is you know, we'll, we'll probably have several podcasts about discernment because it's such an important topic. But I think a lot of times people get so caught up on like the discerning the end goal of like, am I going to be married? I'm going to be a priest. And we miss the opportunity to discern the actual moments that are happening in our life because it's easy to kick the can down the road that oh, I'll be holy once I'm a priest or I'll be holy once I have a family or I'll be chased once I have a family or a wife or whatever it is. But we're just what we're waiting for is for it to be easy. You know, life is always going to be hard. Being holy is always going to be hard it's never easy to stop watching netflix and go and pray it's never easy to wake up early and work out and pray and do things productive instead of sleeping for another two hours or whatever it is that's always going to be a difficult lifestyle uh especially in the culture that we live in it's a very countercultural lifestyle but that's the whole point right i mean and to to draw hope from people like uh pierre giorgio for who is an amazing amazing man it's actually it's funny he, it was he's one of the reasons why i have had a long running joke with uh my friends that i'm gonna die at 24 um just <laughs> don't because, say that, yeah, don't that's, say that. I, honestly i've been saying it since no, i was like 18 years old yeah um and now that i actually am 24 it's like yeah. a little bit different like how morbid would it actually be when is like, when is your birthday uh in september so okay. i got i got some time <laughs> but i was it was it was because of people like pr georgia for society and there's actually like there's like a list of a good amount of saints that like died at 23 it's at like 25. the musicians who do it at 27 yeah it's yeah. the saints this, at 24 and yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it just seemed like uh but you know when I scale my life up to Pierre-Georges for Versailles, I don't think, I don't think 24 is enough. So I, I imagine we're going to blow right past that date. Like, maybe, nothing maybe, 48. Yeah, maybe 48. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so what are you hoping to accomplish? Right? So you've consecrated yourself to Mary. You've given your life over to the father. What is your hope?
1: I'm looking forward to the moment where God willing, we get to heaven and God says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's, you know, that's ultimately the goal. I'm not trying, growing up when I was younger, I would like have liked to accomplish so many things in this lifetime. But I really like as St. Paul describes as a runner who just focuses on that finish line, straining with everything he's got just to reach it, that kind of vibe. Because if our lives are a span of, you know, 80 or 90 for those who are strong, you know, um, (laughs) but in reality, if we look at our earthly life and God willing, our eternal life, you know, what is, what is this time in compared to the eternal life, but to give a solid, more solid answer, um, just every day in terms of just goals, I just want to be again, a good and faithful servant in whatever vocation, whatever, Method or way God calls me possible just every day moment by moment like today. God has called us to do this podcast You know, it's just trying to live it like that because as Eddie was saying earlier too um, it's not about necessarily The whole the end goal. It's about the journey, you know, so and that happens in each and every moment So i'm just really trying to take it moment by moment, you know, not trying to jump to any conclusions or that kind of thing So yeah, yeah
2: yeah, so I think the last one you want to talk about was beauty, but you're in the seminary with a bunch of men. What do you know about beauty?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so you went to a co-ed school, yeah. and I went to a co-ed school, and you went to an all-boys all boys school. school. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. um, so you know very well more than me what it's like to live with guys in community. In the uh, medical world, especially high, uh, dentistry, and um, as we know, like uh, healthcare kind of thing, a lot of the um, workers are female, you know. But then again, more males are coming into the environment. So it's like becoming more balanced. But in terms of just living for a long time with guys in not a confined area, but just like in a in an environment where you have to see each other every day and you, know, you really get to know each other on such a more um, human level, you know, that is um, very... It is, I'm going to appreciate the beauty of it more. You see how, like, for example, one of my brothers, he is a uh, huge devoted to St. Joseph the Worker. And you just see the beauty of guys who really are giving themselves all to the community in terms of taking leadership roles, uh, serving in ways that um, other people wouldn't want to do. For example, um, choosing to clean like toilets around the whole seminary, waking up early to open all the doors like a porter. You see the beauty of guys at much deeper level in terms of their heart. So that's that's been very beautiful in that sense. And also too, like beauty as in um, you were saying that it was hard. Life is hard and that waking up early is never easy and then trying to do the workout and like that kind of thing that's more that's more beautiful than having somebody who it's so easy for them to do everything you know because there's no struggle you know and when there's a struggle that's where um we find the beauty for example how boring would a movie be if like he was just like i'm going to be this great entrepreneur and then woke up the next day and he just completed that you know there's a struggle and there's beauty in the struggle so yeah that's uh that's what I like to touch about in beauty, especially in formation and discernment. You know, something that we're all we're all in. You know, um, yeah. To be so around an environment
2: that. of guys who are just acknowledge their weaknesses and are working to better them. There is, like you said, I think that's a perfect word to describe it. It's just beautiful beauty in the struggle. Is a, I'm a big fan of that.
0: So then, someone who is discerning priesthood or entering priesthood. There's beauty in the struggle. What are some of the struggles that they can expect and how can they find beauty in them?
1: For sure. Um, First thing is like living in community, you know, most, most guys I would say, or a fair amount of guys, I can't speak for every guy, but are used to being independent or they're taught growing up that being the model man is to be independent. to not have to rely on too many people, but when you live in community, that's, that's kind of like the script is kind of flipped on you because you realize that you need each other. You may not like spending your whole day, your whole month and 10 months out of the year with each other, but you need each other to grow for a new seminarian or for somebody who's coming in, learning how to appreciate, be grateful and just really dive deeper and deeper into forming yourself being formed and forming your brothers it does take some time so there is the adjustment period to living in a seminary community religious community um and other like other aspects that are very similar to that and also i'd like to touch on the fact that there are two people who are called to live in religious community you know uh with a group of either guys or women but you know in terms of uh diocesan seminary community it's a different kind of um, mix so I just speak on behalf of that
0: do you think that there's anything someone who is not called to the seminary so maybe it's a woman or maybe it's just someone who is not called to that what could they take away what would you say like this is something the seminary does that I think everyone should do
1: prayer 100 percent prayer the beauty is that prayer is part of your day like there's a set amount of time for prayer. For example, morning prayer at 7, mass at 1115, holy hour at 5, evening prayer at 545. That is your base. You know, coming back for summer and understanding what it's like to be in the world. There's no time that we devote that's mandatory required of us that or we get paid for to pray. It has to be on our own. So in order to pray for those who have like a full-time job, we have to wake up early or we have to set apart an hour of our day, like maybe in between teaching a class, teaching a class period. And then after work, we're tired, but mass is like right after like going there and then, you know, trying to put our rosary into the day. You know, it's kind of a lot more, um, you have to find your own kind of regimen, you know, but in terms of everybody, like one takeaway from formation, religious formation is prayer. Like prayer is what will keep us alive. Prayer is what connects us to Jesus.
2: No, I think that that's very beautiful to talk about prayer. And I think even like you said, we have to struggle to find time in our days, whereas it's carved out for you in the seminary. But I think the routine is what's crucial. And I think even if it's not necessarily going to be essentially three hours of prayer or two and a half hours of prayer that is like engraved into your day as a seminarian, find time and put it into your schedule and fall into a routine of prayer. Uh, Even if morning prayer for you only lasts five minutes because you got to get to work. And then instead of a holy hour at night, you do 15 minutes or whatever it is, but find like a routine of prayer instead of just trying to cram it in last minute.
1: Yeah. And definitely. And the awesome thing kind of like closing in on is that prayer Reminds us that we are in a lifelong discernment process. I before entering seminary, I thought that discernment only happens at the seminary. But no, like every time we have a break, like a, a weekend home or we come back for Thanksgiving or spring break or Christmas or right now summer break. Discernment is still going on. And the number one message that I want to kind of just leave in this podcast and for everybody who's who's listening to it is that discernment is a lifelong process and that you are discerning right now whether you know it or not prayer kind of like influences that discernment it's something that takes a huge conscious effort but you know when we look at it and when we're driving around walking around we're kind of discerning we're just like thinking to ourselves like uh about what's going on or what am i going to do next or how was that past thing how did that affect me how did it affect others you know and when we When we just take that and we apply it in terms of prayer and we bring it before Mary and the Blessed Sacrament, that's when we are given peace, given joy, given the wisdom by God, where we kind of apply that and say, okay, God, like, what is my next step? Where do you want me to go? And in doing this consciously, again, this doesn't happen only at the seminary. It happens with every single one of you in every moment. Where do you want me to go? What is my best route for holiness? And how do you want me to be your saint in this world that you have given life to me in?
0: Yeah, I think that it's an episode we recorded not too long ago about, does everything happen for a reason and following God's will in our lives and just remembering that he will make good of whatever we decide. So making sure, like you're saying, Give it up to him and really try and follow what you are being called to do. But remembering that you're not screwed if you decide one way and you'll be fine if you decide the other way. Like he will work with you wherever
2: you're going. Yes. Yeah, and I think th- this, the most important thing is above all else, we are called to love God. If you are seeking that out first, he's not going to lead you astray one one way or another. If we do that, if we love God, he will make good as we talked about from what from what happens and like we saw like we talked i think a little bit about before but your will will start to fall in line with his well cole it was great having you on sinner's take uh always good to hear from another
1: sinner <laughs> all right <laughs> that's a good That's one way to put it <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah is there anything else any other closing thoughts you want to include Anything you want to tag on
2: while you have the power of the microphone <laughs> and millions
1: of listeners? Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I think we're into the billions now. Billions now. <laughs> oh, oh <my> wow. <laughs> um, no, uh, pretty much other than what we talked about. I just pray, know that my prayer for you is to be a holy saint that you ask for wisdom every day. Mm-hmm. Just kind of have an intimate and deep relationship with Jesus Christ at the most basic aspect. And Alec, as you were saying, it's not, be like a simple plan is not always the easiest. You know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah, he told that to us and he reminds us of that. And although it is a simple command, it is so much more complex and deeper than that. And just to all the listeners out there, my prayer for you is that you become a holy saint, that you humble yourself before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, that you have a deep devotion to our Blessed Mother Mary, and that you just strive with each other and encourage one another to the Kingdom of God. Thank you.
0: Wonderful, cool. Thank you for joining us. Uh, from all of us at Sinners Take, you will hear us in the next one.